Hello everybody and welcome to the GMS Magazine podcast, the RPG interview room. I am Paco Garcia, your host, and I must admit that today's episode is more of an indulgence than anything else, to be honest, because the two people, because yes, today is not once, two, two human beings uh, that I'm interviewing, I, I invited them to come to the show because I you know, kind of like them. Uh, I've, I've been in touch with them for a while now, and I know a little bit of what they've done in the past. And I know that we think very much alike uh, when it's about inclusion and the representation of women and minorities within the role-playing game community. So, because they are also having a an initiative to bring more women into the fray, I thought that it would be a very good idea to have Monica and Andrew Marlowe to come to the show. And I was completely right. Just so you know, uh, uh, we made a sacrifice for you listeners. We made a massive, massive sacrifice because we could have spoken for hours. I mean, and not, not, we didn't have any need to stop, trust me. We were very happy talking to each other. For a very long time and we'd have, we'd have been even happier talking for even longer but but we know that you have lives and, and uh, you couldn't possibly lose your jobs or get divorced because you just got distracted and kept on listening to us all the time so we decided to save your existence and bring the podcast to a timely end so you're welcome you're very, very well. We love you very much. Anyway, enough of my nonsense. Uh, get a drink, a cup of tea or whatever you like to have. And I truly, truly hope that you will enjoy this podcast as much as I did recording it because I had an absolutely fantastic time. I'll talk to you later. Andrew, Monica, welcome, welcome to to the show. Uh, we we kind of have never spoken before, have we? Shame on us. Not not in not in real life. Yeah, we we've texted. A, yeah. Oh, we texted. Yeah. Well, okay. Right. That means that um, I kind of I kind of have to make sure that you you two know how to answer questions. Okay, uh, because <laughs> not everybody can. You you can check with any politician. You can ask check That's any politician. So. So we, we, I need to make sure that you know, you, you know how to answer questions. So I'm going to ask you five questions now. Um, you can answer them in whatever order you want. There's no right or wrong answers. That's absolutely fine. Uh, but it will give us a very, very detailed profile of what kind of person you actually are. Mm. So, so you're about to reveal to the world yourselves, your inner, most intimate selves. Um, I'm, I'm beginning I, to panic. I don't think the world's ready for <laughs> I'm, this. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just beginning to bullshit. Okay, first question. Um, tea or coffee? Tea, I'm actually drinking tea right now. Okay. Tea. Okay, fine. Oh, by the way, you get extra points if you answer unison. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we actually could have, but he was waiting for me to say it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, second question. Um, cars or motorbikes? Cars. cars. 
<laughs> Third question. Uh, the beach or the mountain? Mountains. I'm not certain. I kind of like them both, though. I kind of like them both. I prefer the beach, I think. It depends Ooh. on what time of year it is. Yeah. And which beach <laughs> and which mountain. mountain. Yeah. We're going to have to say both. Okay. Both. <laughs> both. both. This is Perfectly fine. Um, right. Um, this is slightly harder. Uh, fantasy or science fiction? Fantasy. fantasy. Okay. And last but not least, zombies or vampires? Zombies. zombies. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to say to the world, this was not rehearsed. <laughs> Did you realize that we've been practicing being in the same brain for over 20 years? So, okay, now that we have established not, that, not just that you can answer questions, but you can answer at the same time, saying exactly the same thing, then this is going to make for a very, very interesting podcast. Um, because now you said that the, you know the bar really high, anyway. <laughs> Let, let's go for the um, for the proper questioning. Okay, I, I know you from Facebook, um, but I can imagine an awful lot of people out there. Uh, are, the only thing they know about you is that you can answer questions at Unison. So um, tell me a little bit about the two of you. What do you do within the world of RPGs? Well, we do a lot of different things. Um, do you want to start? You want well, to start? it kind of starts with me, so I'll start and then I guess okay. I'll let you pick up. Okay. Um, I am a freelance uh, game designer um, who got his start with RPG Superstar, which ultimately ended up, uh, I ended up with a uh, two top 16s. And then a couple of years later, Monica rolled in. Well, so and what Andrew didn't really tell you, though, is we've both been gaming for over 20, 30-ish well, yeah. years. Um, and I never wanted to be a game designer, but that was, always his, that was always his goal. So when he competed in RPG Superstar, I always followed. And one of our other friends placed in the top 16 the first year out. And after Andrew placed twice... I was like, "Yay! I never have to I never have to think about this again." Not because I didn't like, not because I didn't want to, but because I wanted him to feel like he was successful in what he was doing, and he had he had he had gotten a couple with, of credits. I was of, gonna say with my with my second top sixteen uh, placement, I at the same time we were entering round two, my first product was hitting the the virtual market. Yeah, so he was really not, he was kind of like, I've already got what I want out of this. This did for me what I wanted, which is, it got me an introduction. It opened a door. To, it opened a door. Uh, actually, I... Um, Monica kicked open that door. So, so my my first, so my first contribution to role RP, the RPG uh, scene was, I bought Owen Casey Stevens for $100 for lunch at Gen Con five or six years ago. And we, our lunch ended up being like two and a half hours long. And that's how Andrew and Owen and I really got to meet. And then. Uh, because uh, prior, uh, during my first run at the RPG Superstar, I got an email from Owen 
uh, and I was like, oh my gosh, I got an email from Owen Casey Stevens. I got a, he sent me, he sent me a text on, on Facebook. Oh, 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 oh. I mean, Owen we've, been Stevens. we've been playing Star Wars. I and mean, it's so, not like, yeah. And, and so he sent me, you know, uh, pitch me some stuff. So I, I pitched a, a handful of ideas and I heard nothing. And this was at the time when uh, things super, were exploding. Yeah, on super his genius, end. super getting, genius it games was getting was... very busy, and uh, I didn't realize how busy on the backside things had gotten. And so I just sort of was like, "Well, that that was that was fun. That was my opportunity, and things have passed." Monica saw it as, "Okay, when something happens, I will make something else happen." And so when uh, Owen put this up to get one of the other industry professionals to Gen Con. She leapt at the opportunity to get us uh, lunch together. And great things happened. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so between Andrew placing the second time an RPG superstar and having his first uh, title credit come out with uh, Rogue Genius Games at that point. Owen moved from Oklahoma to Seattle and he became the lead on RPG Superstar. And the first, for those of your listeners who don't know, the first round was always a blind submission of a wondrous item. Well, I always played the cleric. I didn't use wondrous items. Who has time for wondrous items? I need a big <laughs> magic. I need a big magic weapon. So when Owen got in when Owen took the reins, he changed the first round from wondrous items to rings, wands, rods, weapons, armor, like everything but wondrous items, basically. Right. And I was like, oh, I can make one of those. <laughs> and, and I actually and I, I by that point, I'd already become part of like the Freelance Forge, which it was a bunch of the other um, top, you know, 32 to top eight-ish contenders and stuff like that. We'd formed our own sort of like imprint. And they're like, you should enter. And I'm like, I'm not going to enter. I don't want to (laughs) win. That was what I always said. I don't want to win. So I entered once and I was in the top 32. And Liz Quartz is the only person who did not recommend me to, uh, to advance in the entire contest. And that was in the first round. And after that, I trifecta the entire uh, the entire contest, and I won RPG Superstar in 2015, and went on to publish uh, Down the Blighted Path, which was my uh, top four submission pitch, and uh, PFS Scenario 713, which is Captive and Crystal. And since then, I've done. Um, I haven't done a lot because in my my professional life, it's very busy and it's very exhausting. And so writing isn't something that I necessarily have a lot of time for. Um, but I have done a couple of things. I've done something for Zombie Sky Press. They did uh, they did a fairy book. Uh, what, fairy Ring, I think is what it was called. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew and I our our uh we were part of sh- uh samurai sheepdogs um awakenings isle of bones it's the third book the we did a short uh did short, short story we together did a short story that actually is the cover art for that, mm-hmm. that volume. yeah so and the, we did that with uh we have uh title credit also with the editor of the, the yeah series. hal greenberg 
We actually met him at our second Gen Con. Right. Eating and but, dinner. <laughs> over dinner. <laughs> and he asked us the right story for him. <laughs> so uh so all of the all of the game design stuff ultimately led to us looking at doing a podcast which has evolved into it's actually live streaming still a live we, stream. We, we haven't we haven't actually made the leap to podcasting yet. Mostly because we like to interact with our live our we have some very dedicated audience members. There's only a few of them, but they make it a lot more fun and it would not translate very well into podcasting. So we've dedicated the two nights that we could possibly record for podcasting to live streaming. So well, we do have we, we do have plans. We have a we have a night actually kind of booked aside that we'll do it with. And we've got somebody that we we don't get on the live stream. Yeah. Um, um, set up to come on. But unfortunately, it's just finding the time to get enough episodes recorded and set up. It just hasn't really happened yet. Yeah. So that's what we do. RPG wise on the paper end. Um, but the reason we decided to do the streaming was, um, well, we had decided we wanted to do the streaming, but we had seen a lot of the actual plays and we were, we felt like they're very cool, but they're also very high quality. Um, they have a lot of high, um, high production value. And, you know, I don't know about you, but my game never looks like that. Uh, <laughs> Oh, uh, I, you know, I'll tell you something. Um, today, I'm going to take a photograph of my gaming table when I get to the gaming club because it looks exactly the opposite of high-quality production <laughs> value. <laughs> and, and, I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with, with high-value um, actual plays that make gaming look glamorous because, really... Gaming is what you make of it. And so if people see, I hate to say it this way, but if people see, you know, famous, beautiful people sitting around ge geeking out over dice and, uh, you know, dragons and, you know, fairies and zombies and, you know, liches and stuff like that, more power to, to them to do that because it, it just encourages more people to come to the table to play. Uh, but what Andrew and I came across was uh, he watches a lot of uh, streams and podcasts and stuff like that. And he came across a guy who who was very upset. And I, and I don't remember his name. And honestly, even if I did, I wouldn't call him out because that's not really my my point here. Well, and, but, and at this point, he's not even the only one I've seen uh, complain about the Matt Mercer effect. Right. You know, that that Matt Mercer has set the has set the the bar too high that your average GM can't have that kind of a game because, you know, nobody looks like Matt Mercer. Nobody acts like Matt Mercer. I mean, Matt Mercer is Matt Mercer. And, and that is honestly quite true. But every Friday night on our actual play, it's Andrew, myself, and Scott because we didn't have <laughs> – none of our other friends could commit to Friday nights. <laughs> so it is just the three of us, uh, two PCs and a cast of thousands, and – we have a really good time and I do think that it helps that it's a stream a live stream because then our audience sort of becomes that that third player sort of thing they don't you know they they throw out ideas they they give us you know their input they're hilarious 
Um, and we do live stream on Friday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern time on Twitch. Um, and all of our stuff is uh, coded under Marlowe House. Uh, so we can be found on Facebook. We can be found on Patreon. We've got Twitch. Uh, no, that one's Marlow House Games, isn't it? No, Marlow House is. It's just Marlow House on Twitch. Uh, Twitter. Oh, it's is Twitter's Marlow House Games. Marlow House Games. So we. So our goal with the podcast and then our goal with our Tuesday show, which is called Insights and Inspiration, which is taken from our blog titles that we do with No Direction is to encourage everybody to feel like gaming is for them. Um, it is probably the one hobby that anybody can do if they put their mind to it. It doesn't require you to be able to pole vault. It doesn't require you to be able to run the 50-yard dash. I mean, all you have to do is be able to get yourself to a table and roll some dice. And there's a lot of adaptive equipment to help you do that even. So we, we started our podcast mostly to inspire other people to think about, you know, well, that looks like fun and we could do that. I mean, these three idiots are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe we're not idiots, no. but... No, you certainly are not. Um, but recently you've been, you, you've started a, an initiative movement to actually bring more women onto, onto the fray and onto the hobby. How is that? How, how is that? Well, how I can't really take, I can't really take credit for that. Um, that's actually was a that was an initiative uh that i was invited to i to be to be perfectly fair i mean that's something i have been personally working on but uh here in cincinnati we have the cincinnati adventurers guild the uh, cag and uh that is mostly a male uh dominated group because they're just they're more guys who Who's, who tend to game, it, it seems. Let me pull up the... And then I want to make sure I give uh, Carolyn uh, proper credit for what she uh, what what she does. I want to make sure I give you her the correct name. It's uh, Super Heroines, etc. Um, and its abbreviation is she, H-S-H-E. Um, and right now there is a Cincinnati chapter. She also has... It's a, uh, non, a non-profit gaming group. Uh, that focuses on women. And they do a lot of like tabletop everything, like cards, board games. They get they have mixers where you know women get together. They have one of my favorites is introverts get desserts. Okay. <laughs> so, so you know they always set up to go. They set up to go to a, a coffee shop or a you know an ice cream parlor or whatever. And you know you don't have to talk. Just hang out together and. She, she does a lot of things. And like I said, they are a nonprofit. She started it in St. Louis. And when she moved to Cincinnati, she uh, refounded it basically uh, and changed it up a little. And they're working on uh, a bigger presence of, you know, encouraging a, a larger presence of women. And CAG wanted to uh, have a larger presence of women in their organization. They currently have. Uh, well, technically, I guess we have they have three uh, like certified as I, I forget what they call it exactly. But they have you know, they have endorsements for their GMs and they currently have three uh, f- endorsed female GMs. And I'm one of them uh, because I signed on for this initiative. And so that was like one of the things I had to show that I could actually GM. And thankfully, I video recorded myself doing that once. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what we're doing is. 
once a month. We we weren't sure how it was going to work. This is our first real our first real uh, attempt at it. And we'll we've learned a lot, and we'll probably learn even more before it's over. Uh, we had five women who signed in uh, signed up, and our goal is to get each of them an opportunity to GM for uh, twice twice um, in a year. I mean, we w- we wanted to do it every other. We wanted to do it twice a month, but that just wasn't going to work out. So it looks like it's going to probably run for almost a year. And what we want to do is give them an opportunity to GM for other people and then have mentors. So there's five mentors and there's five, oops, there's five ladies in our group, but we have a discord channel. We have uh, Facebook. We wrote a, uh, a user manual that explains like, you know, sort of like the basic information that you as a GM ought to know about before you sit down at a table, like how to handle awkward situations. So I talked about X and O cards. Um, a lot, actually, interestingly enough, a lot of the things they wanted us to write about, I'd already written blogs about. So I just like, you know, cannibalized my blogs, mm-hmm. and sent them in. So like the X and O cards, y- are you familiar with those? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, then I'd not even heard of this one, but one of the other ladies and uh, and did something called ouch and ouch and uh, sorry and ouch, where if you catch yourself saying something that's maybe not appropriate for whatever reason, you say you know you admit your your fault, you say you're sorry, and you kind of back it up. And if someone is is hurt by what you've said for whatever reason, they say ouch. Yeah, you know, so it kind of it it's kind of the, that signaling to one another that you know we're not using we're not using appropriate language or we're not using appropriate themes or you know we've gone down the wrong path and we've created a a warrior race that you know rapes women <laughs> rapes mm. their enemies so that oh, they can God. i saw that this morning i saw that this morning on your on your uh, facebook page i was i was horrified um, that's that's but, the kind of thing i have to be dealing with in my country pretty well, much on a daily basis well, so here's the sad thing, and I was thinking about that. I, I wanted to touch on it real quick. You know, we went through that here in the U.S. Well, we still do. I mean, we still do. Let's let's face it. <laughs> yeah. um, there's still some very incredibly inappropriate things out there. Um, it's that's what that's what stands between the gaming community and inclusion. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what that's what I think. I, I know that's what you're fighting. I know that that's, that's what we're fighting. You know, there are a lot of women who do play games, but they primarily play solo games. I think that's why video games are so very popular among women, uh, where, you know, tabletop is still... I mean, I've I've been to Gen Con a dozen times now, and the Sagamore is filled it's a huge ballroom it's enormous and it's filled with tables and that's where pathfinder that's where the pathfinder scenarios are all played um it's it's an enormous venue and i would say that there's there's not quite parody there are more women there than i than i than i'm always expecting but overall, it's still male. It's a it's a dominated a male dominated room. There's there are more men there definitely than women, um, and I think the reason is it's not because Paizo's not welcoming. I mean, Paizo does a very good job, I believe, of trying to keep um, 
gender parity in there and, and even representation in general of like uh, the LGBTQIA community. I mean, they have they have trans uh, iconics and gay iconics and all the other, you know, I mean, it's not the it's not the publisher or any publisher necessarily specifically. It's just how people feel welcomed at the table. And even in the best of cases, I think men don't realize just how off-putting they can be by some of the things that they say that they don't even realize is a problem. Like they just don't even recognize that they're, they're what they consider to be a funny, albeit a little bit off-color joke, actually is like incredibly triggering to some women, you know. Uh, I mean, I can think of things that were said to me as a, you know, growing up. Well, for example... So you're going to tell how you... How you I am it. exactly going to tell how I got into gaming. Because <laughs> it's appropriate. It is. So actually, way in the way back machine, uh, when I was in junior high, so I was about 13, uh, 14 maybe, I went to a... Our school district had a family game night. And some of the some of the guys who had obviously been playing D&D, a D&D campaign, uh, decided to play their campaign there that night. And I saw, and I had, I'd heard about D and D and I mean, I, the cartoon was on TV and stuff like that. So it wasn't like, you know, it was this huge mystery, but they had this, they had the books and I was like, this is awesome. Maybe they'll let me sit in with them and, and I'll learn how to play the game. And they're like, no, you can't game with us cause you're a girl. And I was like, well, that's the very last reason for me not to be allowed to play a game. <laughs> um, so I promptly went out to Walden Books, rest in peace, may it rest in peace, and bought myself a red box. And I taught my younger brother and myself how to play uh, red box D&D. And while it kind of went to the wayside, it, it laid the groundwork for my brother even. And he hooked up with a guy at a, uh, another bookstore in their gaming section and he was invited to a vampire LARP and the vampire LARP the very first vampire LARP I went to is where I met Andrew and so that is actually where our partnership starts is because some asshole boys told me I'm sorry if I can't say that (laughs) some some Asshole boys told me that I was the wrong gender to play D&D. And, you know, I went on to become, you know, a very, a very medium-sized fish in a very small pond. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I don't really, it is weird. It is weird when I talk about what I've done because it wasn't what I set out to do. But the minute you tell me I can't do something, you, you know I'm going to. And that's that's kind of who I am. And when I when especially I especially when they give you a dumb reason like you're a girl. Well, yeah, that's like the worst reason ever. You can't do this because you don't have a license. It's an entirely different issue. <laughs> 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 there, there, there are things that you've been told you can't do that I, I've seen you go. You're right. That would be dumb. Yes, but, but that doesn't happen often. No, usually no, because usually, usually because when they come up with the you can't do it. It's got a stupid reason attached. Mm-hmm. Well, well more often than not, it really happens. I mean, with pretty much anything, you know. Yeah. Oh no, no, you, you cannot do that, regardless of what it is and who it is said. So you you cannot do that. I want to bet. 
Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I mean, honestly, I didn't see them pull their genitals out. So, I mean, I didn't see how gaming had anything to do with what my gender was. Exactly. It it, it was. And it's funny because when I was, when I was growing up, we would have, we, we actually went out of our way to try to get girls to play. Mm -hmm. Um, The groups I was in, we, we were, you know, inviting our friends that were female and saying, Hey, you, you should come try this out. And in all the years, uh, until I was into my, my very early twenties, um, one, one agreed to do it. Was that Shira? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then I, then we did LARP and I met a whole lot of female, uh, gamers and it was amazing. The depth of the game improves when you have more people with diverse backgrounds Absolutely. at the table. And I mean, at this point, most of our games either have parody or, or very, very, very close. Our, our long-standing Sunday night game is three men and three women. Uh, we've actually gamed where we've had more women at the table than yeah. men. Uh, and that's actually happened a couple more of often than, than, than not. Yeah, unfortunately, one of them, uh, she and her husband moved to Florida because he, uh, he is in the Air Force. And I miss her. She was an amazing, she was an amazing <laughs> gamer, but she also, but they she, also did, they also did re, rec, uh, recreation. They didn't do civil war. They did, uh, I forget, uh, the Regency. And, and I think, so it's like Jane Austen. Right. And, um, and they do, they may have done, they may have done others, but so, so she already had like a really, uh, heavily weighted back end of you know pretending to be someone else. I didn't mean that she had a heavy back end. She was she's very cute. Um, <laughs> she was an experienced actor. Let's put it that she way. Was yeah. A, yeah, she was a very experienced improv improv performer. And actually, that's I think one of the things that I really liked about LARP is that it allowed. It allowed individuals to be whoever they wanted to be and to express that more fully and deeply. And I think that that's what attracted women to it. Well, the, one of the games we played and we played in a goth bar, uh, we played on goth night. So, you know, the, the, the bar patrons would see us and they all kind of knew what was going on. And a lot of them had character sheets because they were curious about what was going on. They didn't all actually regularly play, but a ton of them had sheets because they were at least, you know, dipping their toe in. And it was it was sort of incredible to behold. Yeah. I mean, hundreds of people. Oh, it was. It was insane. It was. And I think uh, our friend James Walls and his wife Jennifer Walls, when they go on vacation, they went to Dis- they go to Disney World and they try to play in public in Disney World in the Magic Kingdom, um, <laughs> or or in one of the other in one of the other parks at least once while they're there. And I think that that's a really great. I, they have two daughters uh, and a son, and Cooper's real. I, Cooper's I think seven now, um, but but um, Evie is actually a judge for. Uh, dungeon classic yeah dungeon yeah Classics. i mean she's she's wow. a judge for dungeon classics and she's like 15 or 16 she yeah i know i fuck his eyes now, keep getting now there. we know who is going to run wizards of the coast in 15 years time <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. she's very she is very uh she's always been very excited about it and you can see some of their uh 
they they also stream uh, i forget what living for crits i think is their that's, podcast that, that's his stream that's his stream you might want to look him up he he's okay. a lot of fun too um but yeah i mean we our son really likes playing board games he's very mathematically involved um our daughter is very artistic I'm not sure that they'll ever quite join us at the table for um, RPGs, but they have, and we've gamed with them. They've liked it, but not enough to, like, get hooked. We've asked them, do you want to, yeah, they've never gotten hooked. Yeah, but um, but it's funny. One of the things that I'm proud of that I wrote is um, um, Christina Stiles uh, did a Medusa's Guide to uh, Women in Gaming, and I wanted to write uh, I wanted to write the uh, article on raising gamer girls, but Rachel, um, I can't believe I forgot Rachel's last name. Ventura. Yeah, Rachel Ventura. Rachel Ventura uh, claimed that one because she had two girls. So I wrote <laughs> how to raise. So I wrote an article on how to raise a conscientious boy. And how to raise your sons to be inclusive and welcoming to individuals that don't look like them. Because I think uh, we can't have an inclusive, we can't have an inclusive hobby if we don't have people of all races, genders, identities that are willing to accept people who don't look like them. I mean, that's really... I mean, that's really what the goal is. And so raising our son has actually been almost more important to inclusion than raising my daughter to be inclusive. She already knows what it's like to be on the outside. She's Mm. incredibly empathetic. My son is too. Uh, Surprisingly, my son is very, I I think we've done a good job. I mean, he becomes very appalled when people uh, judge one another by the way they look. Or how their what their uh, abilities are, things like that. So uh, he's going to be thirteen, and I think I I think we've done a pretty good job. I think we've set the standard for the next generation. I hope, um, and certainly, the more people we bring to the hobby, the 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 better it will be. Well, you know, I have a um, my, my my approach to this is is a little bit controversial with some people um, because I am a firm believer that the majority has the onus to make the change. So from my point of view, because uh, although true, you know, the Hobbit's done is advanced a fair amount in the last mm-hmm. 20 years or so, it's, it's an advancement that y- you can see in the U.S., and in the UK, way, way more than can be seen in, in countries like Spain or Italy. We are still like 15 years behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're having conversations that, that you were having 15 years ago. Uh, but I feel that because this is a male-dominated hobby for the time being, I think it should be down to the men to actually make the effort to step aside or open up to get more people, more women, more people of color, uh, more anything and everybody in the gaming arena, that it shouldn't just be women's or minorities' fight 
it should be men, the men who actually control the hobby now, who should do the effort to actually welcome women and welcome uh, the Mogai. That that should not be controversial. Yeah, that should that not be. That should not be. <laughs> that is, that is. That's like step one. <laughs> yeah. That... No, you're, you're absolutely you're, correct. You're correct. I mean, this is, this is on, I, when we are holding all the seats at the table, if somebody else wants to play, we need to scooch over. We need to be the ones who get up and say, okay, take my seat. You know, or, you know, make it friendly enough for somebody to come in and and and, and feel welcome because this doesn't work if you don't feel welcome. Mm -hmm. I've heard many stories. The, oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I've heard a lot of stories from other women that are similar to mine where they were invited for the first time and they, you know, they ended up getting kidnapped. And so then they spent their entire time sitting in jail while the rest of the members of the table who are all male got to go rescue them rescue the female character and honestly it's somebody famous i really can't remember who told that story i've heard so many of them but it's it's somebody who's told that story multiple times uh which is why well it's not hard to remember because i'm sure it's happened to many of the women who mm. are who are uh in the gaming community like now that we live in a time where Princess Buttercup and Princess Leia have become generals and warriors. I mean, like that is that is the that is the trajectory of women is that we have gone from in just my lifetime of being the person who has to be rescued and saved to being the people who are on the front lines doing the doing the battle. Um, and it, it is nice to have allies mm -hmm. um, among my male friends or male identifying friends even, uh, because we can't, we should, we shouldn't have to fight for it, but we are, and we have to, and that's what we're doing. Cause that's what we do. And that's what we've done for thousands of years. But if men don't give in, then, you know, we will, we'll just keep, we'll just continue. But that's how, you know, suffragettes got the vote. That's how people of color got the vote in the, in the United States. That's how we get equal rights. That's how uh, the gay, the LGBT community in the United States were able to get, uh, you know, marriage rights. Eventually, somebody has to say, you've argued long enough, and now I've come to believe that you're actually correct. And so, okay, you can do that. We shouldn't have to do that. Men should come to that themselves and say, hey, you know... I'm not suffering the way this person is, but they're suffering and we should stop that suffering. And even though the gaming community isn't suffering, but, but we are, we enjoy what we're doing. We enjoy making characters. We enjoy creating stories. We enjoy the cooperative nature of, of RPGs. And when we're not in, allowed to do, do it our way, then we're suffering because our hearts are calling us to do this, this thing, this creative endeavor that, you know, we, that everybody at the table gets enrichment out of. I mean, it's basically like writing a novel every mm -hmm. week. You get together, you get to tell a story. It, we just finished up probably one of the best stories we've ever played. Uh, and it was just a throwaway game. But Andrew, Andrew wanted to kind of like cleanse our palates. We had just finished uh, part of an AP 
and we didn't have anything else ready to go. And he's like, well, let's just play some Numenera. Everybody get some characters together uh, and we'll just play next week. And we played that game for two years <laughs> and it was probably the most engaged game I have ever been in. And that includes LARP. I mean, it was, it well, was I mean, almost necessarily it would say it was more engaged than LARP. LARP has a different level of the, yes, but it was but it was close. It was close. I mean, the other some of the other um, some of the other players, uh, two are married, two are uh, brother and sister, and the the sister and the wife of the married couple work together. So I mean, like, and and the brother is Scott. So I mean, like, we're constantly seeing one another uh, in and out of our game session and and talking about well, what are we going to do? What's going on? How are these things? And I mean, it was just amazing. We actually, at one point, Andrew and I were like, it's a shame we didn't have our recording equipment initially because some things really, like just some beautiful moments happened um, and some really graphically violent ones too. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, but my my character was an assassin. She wasn't afraid to go killing, killing people. Everybody would be talking to the bad guy and I'd sneak up behind him and just stab him. Anyway. <laughs> sounds, sounds very assassin yeah, that sounds very nice. That's, well, that's how you get rid of the big bad without a big fight. Um, so <laughs> but and then he keeps coming back. Anyways. I know. Well, that's that's because you're a jerk. Um, no, but I'm, I, I don't mean to like kind of go off the rails, but I just gaming is gaming is like who I am. Like I didn't realize just how I, I read voraciously as a child and gaming has really kind of filled that niche for me because I like what RPGs do. I like that they allow me to explore things that we would never be able to explore in our real life because I promise you I can't sneak around in the darkness and stab somebody and kill them because well oh, I just oh. couldn't possibly do that. Oh, I, I, uh, I, I tell you if I could. I mean I can't climb buildings. I can't, you know, I can barely run without, you know, gasping for air. So you know, RPGs they fill that space in my in my life that I could be exercising and I don't and <laughs> and I'm okay because it makes me happy in my brain and it makes me happy in my heart to spend time with people uh, doing the thing that we love together and it just it makes me sad when there are people out there who gatekeep who feel like that is their joy only that nobody else can have it I mean, there is plenty of joy to go around, you know? Yeah, we, it, it, it's it's almost as if they somehow think that, you know, uh, fun is a zero-sum game. And that if somebody else is out there having fun, and this goes beyond just uh, gatekeeping out women and minorities, which is, which is huge. But they also try to gatekeep out people who are just doing it differently than they are. Mm. And... It is a pervasive problem that has, I think it has its roots in the same, the same group of narrow-minded people. Well, they ruined Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I there, love the new movies. <laughs> there, there's, I mean, there's, there, there's a, there's a subset that are very loud and vocal that make it miserable, just miserable for everyone. 
but especially women and minorities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they don't look like them, and obviously no, but, they can't yeah, there's, possibly there's, be there's, the same. But I mean, some of these people, they would love to go back to first ed rules where uh, women are treated differently for attributes. Mm-hmm. And it's we've overcome that hurdle. Why are we going back? Yep. Well, I, I, I have an over the theories about that. Most of them involve insecurity, um, which again is something that yeah. people pe- people hate, hate when I say it, but it's, it's just a matter that masculinity is very, very fragile. You know, the, the way it's been talked and, and, and males have been raised to be the kind of men that we're meant to be, uh, is very fragile. As soon as some of these people who have no idea of how to cope with equality uh, see a woman doing something that they've been told, oh, this is just a man, uh, more often than not, they will think, even if it is subconsciously, they will think, oh, shit. So if, if a woman can do what a man can do, does that mean that I'm going to be a woman? I don't want to be a woman because being a woman is being weak, but she's doing what I'm doing. So, ooh, it yeah. is, it's kind of the reasoning I've seen so so many times and he's sick it's really yeah. sickening. well and i i think you're probably hitting the nail on the head i mean if you look at gamers as a whole i mean sure we've got a lot of really fit gamers i mean you know people who are the the beautiful people that we see on these on these you know really popular live streams um and you know there's some some gamers of of various stripes who who are you know physically active and it shows, but by and large, we're not the like, healthiest bunch. Are we? No, we are not. <laughs> I mean, our primary activity is sitting on our butts around the table. <laughs> so, so, to, so to be fair, every time I get ready so, to go to a convention, I go over my CPR and first aid. But um, <laughs> my point is, is that you know, for you know, for the for for the men who don't quite measure up to society's standards. Who have been taught that this is, you know, what masculinity is, mm-hmm. and who are hiding in role playing because they can't meet the the onus standards any other way. I think you may be onto something because they're just they already know that they're not making making that mark. So a very wise person once told me that the opposite of love is not hate, but the opposite of love is fear. And the the fear of not being enough, the fear of not being able to get what you want, the fear of the unknown, the fear of, of the different, those things stand in the way between an individual and love. And so once I had heard that, I was like, you know, I, the only person standing in the way between me and doing what I want to do is me because I'm afraid of the things that I don't know and I'm never going to know them until I do them. And so that's kind of why I, I, I live so wild and out there because what have I got to lose? I, I mean, I could succeed. The True. Fear- oh, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. But you, you know the reason why I'm, I'm not entirely sure that the physique is a massive um, is, is a pivotal aspect of it um, because the, the the geeks I see here in, in my country in Spain they, they tend to be you know 
we we are a fairly fit country. Uh, obesity is going up a little bit, but mm-hmm. because of the diet that we have and the diversity in the, the food and our lifestyle, we are obesity problem is not as huge as, as it is in the US. And yet the reactions are exactly the same as those you describe, except that you are getting nowadays less reactions like those than we have here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, proportionally yeah. speaking, we, we have an awful lot more rejection of, 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 of women, of, of minorities. And most importantly, which is really what interests me, I am understanding if people say, I'm not used to having women around and I feel uncomfortable. Okay, fair enough. You've, you've grown up without seeing them around the table. You've grown up believing that this game is, is for boys. What intrigues me is, why do you oppose it? Why do you, okay that you're not used to it, but why do you proactively oppose any effort that other people, not even you, you don't have to do it. You can keep playing the way you play. That's cool. That's your problem, your loss. But why do you oppose my efforts to bring people onto the hobby? Why are you trying to stop me from getting women to read my books, from getting more gay people to join my table and come to conventions? Why do you try to stop that when I'm not stopping you from playing? That's what really intrigues me. I really think that it has to do with that association that if I'm hanging out with a gay person or or if I'm hanging out with a woman and I'm a man, that that says about me that I like people of the same gender that I am or that I am not, that I like female things. Um, and I, that, that really like, scares people in a way that actually makes me sad for them Mm. because they just like (laughs) I mean I I I know you probably have this issue over there in Spain but I'm sure you've seen in America like invariably some very outspoken politician who's very anti-gay you know gets gets found having you know swiping left on (laughs) tinder and stuff like that i mean so so no joke absolutely not a joke the gay hookup sites um go much more active when the um the republican party national party convention happened in cleveland so in in ohio when uh 2016 during the election cycle the um the republican national party had their convention in cleveland and there was more activity on the gay hookup sites than than normal for any other time in Cleveland. Now, here's the thing. Those are the people who are most likely to fight against the LGBT community. And I really think it's sad that they are hiding who they are, that they are so afraid that people will judge them because of who they love, that they would actually seek to harm themselves mm. if they were ever found out. And it's just that fear. It's the fear of not being enough. And we've had thousands of years of, you know, that men are the fighters and they're the ones who bring home the food and the women have babies and do the, you know, fiber arts and stuff like that. But it's not really always been that way. And I'm I, I don't, not really sure 
not really sure why it is. And I, and I, I mean, I, I'm saying this mostly because I agree with you. Um, a few years ago, just a completely different train of topic, but also uh, tangentially related. Uh, I read a book called uh, Women's Work, The First 10,000 Years, and it talks about the fiber arts. And surprisingly enough, a lot of the fiber arts were actually done by men. Mm. And at one point, they had to pass laws in, uh, I forget which one of the European countries it is. They had to pass laws that nobody could knit stockings during the harvest, the planting and harvest months because there wasn't enough food because people could make more money knitting fine stockings for the the wealthy and the nobility than they could working the working their farms making food for everybody to live on and i mean and that was men and women i mean men and women knit and there's but knitting is considered something that we consider that our grandmas do well yeah. in world war 2 they used to teach men how to knit as part of their occupational and physical therapy recoveries after they'd had injuries in in the war. Like I have actually taken care of men who were still knitting 50, 60 years later because that's what they learned to do. And they loved it. It it there's math involved, there's manual dexterity, you know, they got a cool scarf or socks out of it. <laughs> I mean, there's I mean, there is literally nothing wrong with men knitting or crocheting or sewing, but they still are, you know, it's still taken to be, well, that's what women do. And that's not okay. We don't do what women do. Well, I mean, I do a lot of things that men do. It oh. doesn't really seem to it doesn't seem to hurt me any. No, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Okay, um, we, we sorry. To, no, that's absolutely fine. I mean, the, the thing is, that I reckon that we could talk here for hours and end. We're going. I told to, you we would. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I have to go to Chult, otherwise I'd stay here. Okay, um, to 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 bring this to um to to, to a kind of a close, um, I, I want to ask you one question each uh, about this topic, mm -hmm. and is um. Monica, what can women do to overcome the biggest obstacles that you find in gaming? I think women have already started doing it. They're publishing under their own names. They're creating their own stories. Uh, they're actually uh, two of two of them have been nominated for Ennies. Um I'm going to look them up for you, but it's Bluebeard's Bride and a, uh, which was, they were both Kickstarter games. I forget what the other one was. The other one is about the uh, Jewish, uh, it's, um, oh shoot, it's like Dream Askew, I think is what it's called. There's two of them. Didn't it's, um, Dialect also make it? Wasn't that written by a woman as well? Uh, it might have been. I, I don't I can't remember. I, I have the book I, there, but I can't remember. I, I have it too. I think that's why I backed it. Well, I loved I love languages too, yeah. but I think it I think it is it's um the other one is um called it's by Avery Adler and it's called Dream Askew and then there's a sister story when you buy the book that's just uh Dream Askew and I think the other one I, I can't find it. I only found the website for the one, but it's by her and she she did that, and then uh, Strix did the Bluebeard's Bride. And Dream Askew is also a, 
uh, queer, uh, queer and Jewish. Oh, I guess Dream Askew is the, I, I haven't gotten my copy of the book yet, so I haven't really looked at it. It's like a post-apocalyptic, um, but they both have been nominated for Ennies this year because, you know, people aren't going to let you, if people aren't going to let you play their, their games with you, then just go make your own. Yeah. I mean, and that's really kind of it. Um, and okay. sorry, that's I was okay. going to try to find that other name, but, but it's definitely, um, they they both were nominated for any, so you could, you could easily find it. Okay. Well, and then of course, Lisa Stevens has Paizo. So, Ooh. I mean, I think she pretty much, she pretty much her and uh, Nicole Andrews have pretty much shown us that, you know, they won't let you play at the table then you make your own table absolutely yeah. and shauna germain and shauna germain oh, yeah the yes. uh the uh she and monty are uh guests of honor this year at gen con okay so um and Andrew, i wanted to ask you um of all uh, as a man what should men do to actually get rid of obliterate those barriers that stopping more women, more minorities from getting into the into the gaming world. There's a lot of little steps that should be taken. Um, inviting more women to your table, being genuinely uh, aware of the things that are coming out of your mouth. Um, the number of times that I even looking back at my own time when I was trying to be inclusive, when I was, you know, in my teens, you you have to be aware of the things that are going on uh, and the things that you're saying. It, I, don't, I don't know how exactly to put it on that. So one, I would, I would like to say that the thing that a man, the men really could do most is to stop other men. Well, yeah, that was, that was, oh, thank you. The next thing on my list is when you see other men not doing the things that I was going to suggest. So it's, mm -hmm. it was going to be, Address it. You have to call it out when you see it happening. Uh, you can't stand by. Um, if somebody is doing something that you think might be offensive, just, you know, and it can be as subtle as just kind of leaning aside to him and saying, dude, curb what you're saying. And, you know, are, are you thinking about your audience? You just. I wish I could remember what. But um, that helps a lot the but i mean the things that you can do for yourself um is just to make sure that you're being inclusive when you when you when you address things you do things um and then sometimes it's also just a matter of just shut up just <laughs> shut up let somebody else talk give that space it's it's part of the like the improv thing you want to make sure everybody else at the table looks good um just let other people look good at the table help them look good and get out of their way when they're role playing and that's that that's good advice regardless of the gender of the person doing it but you really should pay attention to make sure that you're not trying to dominate the conversation because we've seen scientifically that men dominate conversations um and feel like women are talking too much when we're doing most of the talking. So be aware of that. Get out of everybody else's way. 
give everybody a chance to do to do their thing at the table. Take your turn on your turn and do the things that you can do to make other people at the table look good. I like that. Ooh, right, okay. Right. Now now we need now we need to we need to chill down. We need, we need to come out a little bit after we can talk about that for hours. Yeah. Oh, but... oh, I can tell you we could. No, but but I, I have three questions, you know, just to go on to a um kind of chill, kind of get for the rest of the day, um in, in the best possible manner. So I have three three questions to, to help us think. So um question number one. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, this is amazing. Um, what's the best advice that no one has ever given you? I can give you. I can tell you the best advice someone did give me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I want the one that no one's ever given and you. No, one's no one. Ever given me. Yeah. Hmm. So. You know, your mother always said, if all of your friends are jumping off a bridge, would you follow them? <laughs> when all of your friends are game designers or, or people who are interested in gaming and they start publishing their stuff, follow along. Start publishing your own stuff. Go ahead and jump off that bridge. Yes. Wow. That's wow. I still don't have anything. <laughs> Well, because everything I can think of is stuff that other people have, that I that I've just taken in, you know. And I mean, my favorite's the one that Alice gave me, which is you know I give myself very good advice, but I very seldom follow it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Follow your good advice. Follow my good advice. Follow your own good advice. Yeah. Okay. I'm. Well, that's, that's a good one. Yeah, you know, it's it it is actually kind of funny. I I don't really think about I really don't think about the influence that I have over others. I mean, I'm just trying to live my authentic life and people come to me and they're like, "Ah, oh, you say some really insightful things." And I'm like, "Really? I'm just bullshitting here, man. I'm so glad you're getting value out of it." <laughs> okay, second question. Second question. Um What's the best mistake that you would like to make again? Entering RPG Superstar? No, wait, I can't do that. I've already done that. You can't enter that again. I can't enter that again. I won. <laughs> best mistake I ever made. Hmm. There aren't, there aren't many mistakes that I haven't learned things from, but I certainly wouldn't want to do them again. Oh, I know. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind doing the podcast mistake over again. I'd like to have learned something from that and done it better the second time. <laughs> we have opportunities. We have opportunities. We're going to continue to make this the same recording mistake over and over again. Good. Oh, yeah. Third and last question. This is the most important of all. Okay. You have a time machine, you go back in time, you meet your 10-year-old self, and you tell your 10-year-old self very sternly, do not do this. What is this? Do not let them get to you. Okay. Mm. <laughs> 
Well, while Andrew's thinking, I don't I, honestly. I'm not even certain what I would tell myself not to do. All the things I would tell myself to do, I've thought about mm-hmm. not to do. Uh, you know what I might have told myself not to do? What? Um, so it's a long story. But I worked for an employer who led me on to believe there were there were bigger opportunities if I was made if my time was made more available. Mm-hmm. And I I would tell myself not to believe him. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's a good one. That's a very good one, actually. Right. Um, yeah, thank you so much, both of you. For <laughs> Sorry, being those here last questions. <laughs> those no, no, last answers are so. <laughs> I've, trust me, I've I've got all sorts of answers and yours are just perfectly fine. Actually, they're completely stupid questions, so I don't know what I'm expecting (laughs) anyway, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. Uh, Seriously, thank you very, very much indeed for for coming to to the show today, because I, I mean, we've been at it for an hour. I could easily be here for another two or three, easily, if I I didn't Mm -hmm. have my my game this this evening so i hope um hope that this won't be the last time that we we talk and discuss all sorts of things about role-playing game and inclusion and feminism and everything it would be good to have you back we'll have lots to talk about we always do yes thank you good Um, i'm I'm guessing you're going to gen con yes we are yes okay well uh, just so you know that you are under uh complete and utter obligation to have a wonderful wonderful time since i'm one we year. will <laughs> and enjoy yourselves um well i'll talk to you very soon all, all right. right thanks paco see you later have a good game Well, my beauty is uh, that was very exciting. Seriously, that that was really exciting for me. I was utterly delighted, delighted to have Monica and Andrew around, and I, I I genuinely wish that we could make these podcasts last for three or four hours sometimes because I I just genuinely and truly don't feel the need to stop talking to some of these people. I just enjoy way 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 too much, way too much, and I hope you have as well. Uh, please. Do send me your comments, podcast at gmsmagazine.com. It's a good place to get in touch with me. But even better, if you follow me on Twitter, I am at GMS Magazine. Or if you find us, uh, GMS Magazine, in Facebook as well, where we try to be as active as I would probably like, but I can't because I don't have enough time, but I would like to, but I'm going to try. So uh, thank you for being there anyway. Intro music is London Caves by Astro Doors and the outro music is by the shade from the video game Omega Boost, which I hope you played on your PS1 a very, very long time ago. Thank you so much for being there. By the way, if you want to come to the podcast, please do let me know. I'd love to have you around and have a chat. And until the next time, keep playing, and I'll talk to you soon.